Welcome to the Nejai Chuan Podcast. Uh, my name is Isaac Kamens. This is a bi-weekly podcast where my friend Jess and I uh, discuss internal martial arts and Qigong. Uh, this week, we continue our discussion on opening the energy gates by Bruce Francis. Jess reads from an article from Yoga Journal from 1995, and we talk about uh, the different kinds of relationships in internal martial arts, master-student type of relationships, and what those mean in terms of transmitting the information and and how that sort of relationship uh, determines what level of information somebody gets from their teacher. Uh, then we shift gears and talk about the book a bit more. We talk about the turning in the first swing. I go on a bit of a rant about uh, people hurting their knees and stuff doing the swings. And we get into a little bit about how the swings uh, affect things like your internal organs and uh, more subtle aspects of it. Hope you enjoy the episode, and thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Ninja Trend Podcast with Isaac and Jess. We're talking about the Opening the Energy Gates book by B.K. Francis, and we've been going through the different chapters one by one and sort of exploring and unpacking some of the things that are taught in here and putting our own two cents in. Um, so we've reached the point where... Uh, Kumar has gone to study with Liu Hongjie in Beijing. Um, and I'm, I'm going to quote from this article from Yoga Journal 1995, uh, From Fire to Water. Um, so after being accepted by Liu, uh, Liu also formally adopted Kumar as his son, thereby creating an intimacy that, in Kumar's words, allowed us to have the most direct relationship any two human beings can have. As he passed the secrets of the internal arts on to Kumar, Liu was intentionally training him to be a teacher. As Kumar explains it, he never told me what I was supposed to do. He never, he never told me I had a mission or anything like that. He simply said to me, what is inside of me is now inside of you. And that's the idea of teacher to student transmission, which is you know a big deal in martial arts and, and all types of fine arts in Asia where the master just sort of pours out their heart and soul to the student. And then within the student that continues to grow you know, from there forward. Um, so it's a very, you know, spiritual type of relationship as well as he described being, you know, adopted as a son, um, you know, and I'm not sure of the cultural implications of that, but clearly it's a very close relationship. I'd say though, pretty big, you know, it, it's, um, you know, certain things are sort of meant to only be taught to quote unquote family members. So I think the formal ceremony allows that to happen to people who aren't your, you know, biological children, right? Um, but to do it with a Westerner at that time was pretty, uh, unheard of, I'd, I'd say, yeah. Um, Especially with the old, old fashioned gentleman, like Leo Hong Jae is from a, you know, he's born at the turn of the century. So, you know, the idea of him taking a foreigner as a family member is, is gotta be. All right, well, I mean, and there's also the, the sort of, you know, spiritual or whatever you want to call it, element of it you know the way the same way a, a buddhist teacher will do a transmission you know leo would do those same kinds of things and bruce does those same kinds of things and you get a certain mm, let's call it a seed you know planted and and the the sense is that you know what he's saying isn't that you can now do what i can do but it's like the you know, the seed has been planted. Now it's up to you to, you know, water it and nurture it and take care of it. And, you know, and so if you let it go, you know, it's not going to turn into anything. So you can, 
you can get the transmission and still just piss it away. You, know, you don't it doesn't have to turn into a tree, right? The 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 the, the seed is simply just put there, and then you. I mean, it's rarely put there to someone who's not, um, you know, interested in doing something with it. But you know, sometimes that probably happens. So you know, there's a there's an actual energetic you know transmission going on, which is a much deeper subject than I understand. You know, but no I, doubt. It's definitely part, you know, it's part of the, the, you know, spiritual traditions in Asia. So, you know. Right. Yeah. And I mean, to me, you could, it goes way deeper, but to me on the surface, it's like when you hang out with somebody, when you spend time with them, when you have a heart to heart talk with them, they're with, especially with a senior and a mentor that just sort of bleeds over into your life and you could call it energy or spirituality, but at the most basic level, you know, spending time with your martial arts or spirituality teacher in person with them correcting you and interacting, that starts to seep into you. And for better or worse, that's going to guide you going forward, you know. And I think the, your early training in those retreats, especially when you were younger, I, I know you trained with him as well as a number of other, you know, of his students who were teachers. And I can see how that just sort of influenced you on a subconscious level. I can see some of the stuff you do drawing directly from that. Yeah, I mean, some of that I think is osmosis, right? You just hang out with someone long enough, you start to kind of do what they do. But um, the best uh, parallel I can give is, I think, uh, musicians, right? Like, if you play with somebody Mm -hmm. who's better than you, right? And it's probably true of any other task. That's just the one I have some familiarity with, you know? But then if you do it with someone who's better than you, um, significantly better than you, you start to pick up, you know, even non-verbally things that they're doing. And it sort of, you know, like you said, it just kind of seeps into your being. And, you know, the difference there here is that there was a, um, is a conscious effort to do that in a, you know, sort of formulated way. Right. So mm-hmm. that the part that I keep referring to as spiritual, it's not really spiritual. It's more just <clears throat> energetic, but it, has to do with you know the person uh giving the knowledge understands the you know energetic matrix that that particular thing is made up of right so and not to get too out there with it but you know every action has a mathematical equation right so it's like for each mathematical equation there isn't different frequency or different type of energy, whatever you want to call it. So for each one of these things, right, for like cloud hands or something, there's a specific, you know, piece of energy or something, whatever you want to call it, that that goes with it, right? So there's a certain, let's just call it a flavor, right? There's a certain extract of flavor that goes with this one that's different from the one you did for standing or that's different from the one you do for the swings so you get that that seed sort of planted and it's like okay now that part you know you you now have to work on but it's like you know there's a different it's a different input yeah you're putting in a different program right it's still running on the same software it's you know it's still on the same platform same computer everything it's just you know, it's running a slightly different set of numbers, right? Or, you know, mm-hmm. And so the, the, the mastery of being a teacher, if you will, is knowing how to 
manifest that enough that the person or people around you pick up on it. Right. And so, you know, that, that part of like having the just energetic, you know, bank account to blast people around you with enough juice that they sort of like, whether they like it or not, they get that seed implanted in them. Right. And that's kind of the, um, you know, the parallel would be like a Buddhist empowerment or something, right? You go, you sit with the guy, he talks, he does a bunch of stuff, and then he, you know, does a thing at the end, and people in some people there get a, you know, significant chunk of it. Other people just kind of feel warm and fuzzy and, you know, don't know what happened. And, you know, some people don't really feel anything. And it's the same with this stuff. It's like the receptive part of it is is as important as the person mm-hmm. right so it's like if the vessel isn't designed or isn't capable of you know accepting it yet it won't land won't right? stick very well yeah right so the same process yeah so the next part of the book kumar requested leo to teach him bagua and Bagua Jong is martial art you and i have enjoyed practicing together right. quite, quite a while and i think that to me is what was the most exciting about this because I had been practicing and reading Bagua books and training in it before I read this. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the best part. He asked him to teach him Bagua. And then he says that the uh, it was the severest energy work that he'd ever undertaken to where he was so fatigued he had to just lay down afterwards from doing energy training. And uh, that's pretty intense. You know, that's one of the things that drew me to this. I'm like, dude, that sounds sweet. Right. I mean, I, I think that's where you and I kind of had a different thing of it where I had never heard of Bagua until uh, way after doing, you know, I mean, like I knew about Qigong and that's the first and my exposure to it was much more from the side of health and all that. And then it was like martial arts was kind of this, oh, there's that too, you know, like, oh, cool. Let's, let's try some of that, you know. Um, but, but I, you know, really didn't train any of that for first couple of years, you know? And so it was like, um, and then when I did, it was like, Oh wow. That's what he was talking about. You know? And so that I think that there's a, um, you know, the, the energy gates is the foundation for, you know, at least the, the beginning levels of, of the Bagua stuff. So it was learning that this stuff, I think really helped me understand what, the later stuff was about the martial arts and you know the healing and yeah, so energy gates gives you that sense of connecting your arms and legs to your spine which is kind of what just what you want to have when you go to learn bagua you know yeah for sure and it's also the you know i think the more practical thing for a lot of people is it's the safety mechanisms right learning how to properly turn your hips and how to properly squat and all these things so that you know, because there are risks to hurting your knees and things like, you know, or your joints and your back and stuff in Bagua. So, you know, in any activity, really. Right. So so the the health and fitness part of the Qigong, I think, is a huge safety mechanism for when you start to do more vigorous activities, you know, like martial arts and stuff like that. And so you know, like. It, it you, whether or not you ever even decide to do martial arts as a fighting thing, right? And you just do them as a as a health activity. These principles are gonna, you know, they're still gonna be there. And so it's like I think he he Bruce made a conscious decision to teach this piece first, 
because it you know was the piece that was sort of missing from the uh the lexicon of qigong at the time you know where you know some of the other stuff was at least kind of out there you know this stuff is a little bit different and i think that comes from leo's you know in influence absolutely so here uh he taps a little bit into more about leo hung jay and says that he had in his life he had had five prophetic dreams and that one of them was about kumar coming a foreigner coming to train with him and so that's that's the reason he let him in the door and and decided to teach him and i those prophetic dreams i remember one of them was something about a boat that was going to sink so he ended up taking a different boat and the one he would have been on got you know went down in the middle of the river and um, but I don't know about the other prophetic dreams. I haven't heard about those other. Um, like many of the older Taoists, Leo believed in karmic connections being fulfilled. And he felt deeply that such a connection existed between himself and Kumar. Yeah, well, that speaks to that sort of old school. That there's a, no, it's not a casual thing to, to, you know, impart this knowledge to someone. So they take it very seriously. And, um, you know, there's a, hierarchical kind of like you're allowed to learn certain things at certain levels you know so if you want to go to the really advanced levels you have to you know prove yourself worthy if you will plug for bruce in the sense you know that one of the things that was cool was that he didn't make you do the formal stuff in order to learn at that level you know you were it was up to you to take it and you know if you wanted to go with it you could but he was putting it out there for basically anybody that was willing to to, to, to take it to absorb it you know and so absolutely and yeah so there's this karmic for, side to it you know for a dipshit like me it was really uh you know we got pretty lucky <laughs> right stumbled into it and we end and this paragraph ends with thus it was leo thus it was leo who taught Kumar, the internal art secrets of the Qigong movements found in this book and in the next four volumes of this series. Mm. So that describes these main five sets, the right. opening the energy gates being the first, and then the next four would be the spiraling energy body, marriage of heaven and earth, bend the bow, shoot the arrow, and finally God's plane in the clouds. And those were the uh, five envisioned volumes. Right. And I, and I think the, you know, the, what he's saying there is, you know, he didn't learn necessarily the movements of all of these things from Leo, but it was Leo that took him, you know, to that next level of understanding what they were really about. I think he had learned the physical, at least of energy gates, for sure. He had learned the physical stuff, a certain amount of the energetic stuff, you know, from we talked about from Wang Shi Jing and Wang Si Yi and others. And so I think, He's giving him props for saying, you know, like I couldn't have, I couldn't have put it all together without, you know, what Leo, and that, you know, that's what he told me once. You know, he said that um, Leo really was like, so the, the the three branches of, you know, health, meditation, martial arts, that seeing how those three all connect, and 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 you know, so how the qigong and the meditation and the martial arts all sort of are interwoven. He said, you know, that was the main thing that Leo gave him. And I think that to me was the thing that was always, I mean, most teachers, when they teach martial arts, they aren't talking about, you know, what it's doing to your liver and, you know, <laughs> what it's doing to your, you know, how, how a hand movement is affecting your, 
the, the movement of your internal organs or your spine, you know, they're just talking about block a punch, hit the person, you know, and so coming at it from this internal approach gives you a sort of a, a different kind of, you know, perspective on it, I think. And I, like I said, I think that comes from Leo. I think the prior to meeting Leo, he was more, you know, even says, you know, it was more technique based and, you know, sort of fighting oriented and fire. Yeah, the fire. Exactly. And then Leo took him to that, like, you know, more gentle approach to doing things. Moving on to the next section of the instructional parts of the book. Um, chapter six, the second exercise, move the elbow joints to activate the spinal pump. So at this point, you've learned to expand, extend your hands away from your body. Now you start linking the opening and closing of the elbows to the opening and closing of all the tissue all the way back to the spine. So this exercise activates the cerebrospinal pump. Um, so, so basically, at first, you just learn how to extend your arms and, and keep them soft and keep all the musculature relaxed while strong. Now you create a pump inside your system to connect the spine, the cerebral spinal fluid movement with movement in your arms. And that's, I mean, that's the very definition of Gong inner work, because that's, that sounds like something that could be really hard to do. The, the first thing of just keeping your arms out, right? That's about sort of establishing this thread, if you will, from your, from your through your body. This is now, you know, that's a static movement, if you will, right? Your arms are, aren't going anywhere and you're shifting your weight side to side. This is now getting that your arm is going to move. It's going to bend and it's going to stretch. And so the physicality of it isn't hard. It's just bending your arm and bringing it back towards your body and stretching it and going out. It's all of the internal components, if you will, that the alignments, the, the, the things that are opening and, you know, paying attention to how things are moving, that that's the, you know, that's what makes it a, you know, internal motion, right? So, um, the, the jump from a static thing to a moving thing requires just a, it's like another layer of your mental capacity to kind of jump in there, you know? Um, but it's, it's, it's really that you have, the ability to stay open, to stay stretched out, connected, and to move your arm, right? That uh, the phrase Bruce likes is from posture to posture, the internal energy is unbroken, right? That from point A to point B with your hand, the connection to your body doesn't disconnect, right? That it, it isn't you're at one point, you kind of blank out then you're in another point and you reconnect, right? It's that you're connected all the way through the motion. So, you know, th th this is basic to any type of internal martial art, you know, or, or Qigong that, you know, that's really all your arm can do is go, you know, go out, come back in. It can twist while it's doing it. It's, it's much more about how you're doing that action. You know, what sort of, uh, parameters you're putting on it versus, you know, what the physical motion is, you know? So it's a, it, right. Well, like it says that connection to the spine, that seems like the part where the physical movement's easy, but getting the spine to link to the arms, that's where you're going to need that concentration, that focus right. and, you know, time to work on it. You can't do it all in one day. So he says here, one, extend the elbows and then two, open and close the elbow joints to activate the spinal pump. So you, 
bend and straighten the arms to activate the spinal pump and stretching of the vertebrae. Um, yeah, so this is the same as what I was saying before. It's about moving your arm without it pulling your head forward or, or you're disconnecting something in your body so that this, you know, I think of it as a thread, right, from your spine to your arm. He calls it a rubber band. Yeah. The muscles from your spine to your fingers must be extended as far as possible so there's no slack, yet they're not so taut that the rubber band becomes ready to snap. So you That's find it. that fine line between sort of taking the slack out of it by extending it, but then keeping a sort of uh, a softness and a smoothness to it that's not overstretched. Yeah, and uh, what I would say is just that most people, what they think it is, is about 30% more than they should be doing, right? So that um, it's a much gentler action than it tends to be, you know, interpreted as that it's not like you're pushing something away from you or like doing a bench press or something. It's just letting your arms extend from your body so it's a it's a gentle you know lengthening it's not a you know pull with all your might and you know feel like your arms are about to rip out right of your pocket. and so that's a word to the wise you know if you're if you're practicing this we've said it a lot of times before but always just go back to making it easier on yourself because that you'll make every bit as much progress without messing yourself up so if you're if you're huffing and puffing and you're straining and pushing really hard back off, back off. And it might not be as strong a sensation, but in the long run, slow but sure, we'll get you there. He warns here that this exercise is difficult to learn without the help of a qualified teacher, largely because you have to feel what is going on inside your body on a very subtle level. Um, yeah. So, hey, there's, you know, that's true. I, mean, I think that's true of all of this stuff. I mean, I think, you know, one of my, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a hobby, but, you know, over the years, it's, you know, you get people coming through. And at this point, I can tell just by watching somebody do cloud hands for about five seconds, whether or not they learned it from a person, a video or the book. Right. Because there's just, you know, two dimensions, three dimensions. You know, it's like you can see the difference in the person in how they move because they've learned it from one perspective. Right. And honestly, I mean, I don't know how you could learn this stuff without somebody putting their hands on you and, and moving you in a certain way. I mean, you can get close, but there's a certain point where you need, you know, you need the resistance. You need the, the feedback of another living person, or, or you'd have to des design some extremely like some, you know, inspector gadget machine that would, you know, that push on all the right parts of your body at the right times and, you know, keep your elbow down and hold your knee in place and all these things. It's like, it's, you know, it's just a lot of that. It's, a, you know, Bruce has a lot of two person exercises that you do when you learn this stuff. And some of them are in the book and, you know, those things are really, you know, the, um, the way you get it in your body, if you can't do it without, you know, it's like you, you, you need something to give you the, the experience of it or something close to the experience of it so that you can build on that. And so that's really hard to do by yourself. Um, like almost impossible to do by yourself. You'd have to be a, you know, a fucking genius of, you know, <laughs> so the next part of the book, we yeah. move over to the third exercise where you open the hip joint to turn the spine. Oh boy. So that's, that's starting to get that hip 
the connection between the legs into the spine. Yeah. You coordinate the upper and lower body turning. So now we're ready for the turning movement, which means it's time to find the center line of the body. Um, so you don't want to break the center line and disengage the upper from the lower when you move. So now you're going to start turning side to side with the hands equidistant from the center line of the body. Begin to turn from side to side, remembering all the other stuff. Um, pre you use everything you've already learned from now on, and then now you'll add more. And so you're going to go from side to side. Um, and then you start turning the center line at the same time as you move. So he says, originate body turning from the hip fold, the qua. And then the third is the hip fold leads the spine, waist, and chest. So he's saying you find that qua, and then you use that qua to lead your movement. So how do you find the qua? So it's it's three. I mean, I, I always you know emphasize that it's three like very distinct things that are happening, right? So first is the weight shift, right? Just getting your body to the point where you're you know, let's call it 70%, 80% on, let's call it your left leg, right? So your, your body's moving to the left, your arms are out in front of you. And that as you shift your weight to your left side, that you, um, I'll just use the term sink, but there's a lot more going on than just sinking. You adjust your body's alignment so that your hips don't go like up and down, that your, your hips stay level and that Let's at least 70% of your weight gets onto your leg with almost no movement of your hips, right? No, no swivel, no twist, no nothing. Just they just shift to the side with your legs, right? So that's the first part. I would argue that most people can't do that part well enough before they jump to part two, but I'm not going to get into that. Part two is once you get there, right? You you have to sink a little bit. You have to stabilize, right? So part one is you get over there. Part two is you somehow stabilize yourself. Um, the Chinese term, you know, it's the Zhong Ding, right? You get that center line so that your head is as close to being over the foot that you're standing on, over your left foot in this case, as you can get it comfortably without hurting your knee and your leg doesn't really move either i mean this is where um again without somebody holding your knee you're probably going to bend your knee weight on the weighted side as you shift onto it and it doesn't really bend what happens is the knee holds still and the quad the hip and the the psoas muscle that takes the the pressure so that's the sitting down i'm talking about and then the last pit piece is once you've once you've stabilized and you're you're on that leg comfortably, then you take that fold in your hip and you you swing it like a hip. You close it so it, it turns your body like a hip. And as it does that, that's the thing you know where the the shoulders and the torso will follow, right? But if you miss that middle step about it being stable, when you start to turn, there's a there's a real big likelihood that either your hip or your knee is going to start to twist and move out of alignment right um and so you know that that piece is hugely you know important and then you know on top of that is that as you turn your hip uh you aren't trying to turn your head or your shoulders or something to kind of cheat you know to go mm -hmm. further 
to go further than what your hip can actually do because mm. so he suggests here under no circumstances should you turn the waist using the shoulders so if you, if you lead with your shoulders you're sort of breaking the energy that's connecting everything you let the, let the hip fold lead the way yeah if you twist with your spine you're going to hurt your back if you twist with your knees you're going to hurt your knees i mean so really the part of your body that's designed to twist like that is your hips uh your neck can do it a little bit that's why i said people will turn their head because they'll turn their head instead of turning their hips and they think they've turned farther than they've actually turned but you know i'm starting to rant again sorry <laughs> just just get it so that if you're looking forward when when you hit that you know 70 percent on the weighted leg that when you fold into your hip wherever you're belly button is facing that's about where your nose should face right so um 45 degrees is kind of the the standard you just try to turn your body from one corner of the room to the other corner of the room and that's a good one because that gives you a like a grid you know and you, you won't go past it you won't you know just, just twist your knee or something because once you start getting into the turning it's like um, there's a really big difference between turning by folding into your hip and turning by just twisting the, the, the big muscles in your thighs. Um, so maybe doing the quad squats, you know, is going to help educate your quad to take charge and be the leader there. That way that hip fold can lead the spine. And, you know, the, the book's talking about all the things you're saying here, maintaining, you know, that upright posture, connecting the points of the quad and the shoulders, um, you know, just keep working on leg alignments and spend some time with that. And he says, furthermore, this turning side to side helps twist and massage the organs. So, you know, again, that's something you don't want to stress really hard, but notice as you twist from one side to the other, using the legs to, and the quad to lead the way, you'll feel how it stretches through the torso and through the guts. And it's, it's pressurizing the internal organs is the way he describes it. Yeah. I, I would just say, until you've gone through all your muscles and all your soft tissue around your internal organs, you know, this is that onion layer thing. Your liver is not on the surface, right? And so if you jump layers from the surface to go to some deeper thing like that, just because it sounds cool, you risk the very real possibility of either neglecting something to the point that it gets weakened to the point that it, it becomes a problem or just outright hurting something that, you know, because you're, you're not aware of it. So, um, you know, the, the turning part is where, you know, the, the, this is where the risk of injury really jumps compared to when you're just doing a, a squat, right? So the quad squat is the, that's the stabilizing part. And then the, the folding, you know, that, that's a whole thing of how you're allowing that, piece of your hip to twist and to move without any restriction and um you know it takes a bit more practice than just start you know, small and do a little bit every day you know that's not yeah. one you can count through he says the turning will automatically activate the chi flow in the belt meridians that wrap mm -hmm. around the body so right. i mean i think part of it is that you know these exercises have effects on the organs or the energy body or the spine or whatever you don't necessarily have to think a lot about that just do the exercise and it'll start to make those pathways and weave those connections on its own yeah those are those are at least in the beginning those are a, a side effect right those are what those are what the result of doing the movement is 
it activates these things but you shouldn't be trying to make these things happen inside your body with any kind of force you know and i i just i emphasize that because he says it in a it, it it's a fairly casual way that you know he's talking about you know when you turn your body it should come from the folding of your hips the reality is that's something that takes most people and i'm not exaggerating two to five years to get good at right to 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 open up that area of your i mean unless you get unless you're getting like deep tissue body work like every day that area of your body is going to take a long time to open up and it's just you know so you have to you know just again hammer your 70 percent rule into your system to the to the level that does you know to the to the second that you feel any kind of twinge in your joints or in your back you have now way exceeded your 70%, right? And, and that's kind of the, the the humbling part of all of this is that when you watch, especially if you watch those old videos of Bruce doing the, from the Energy Gates video, I mean, when he does the, the swings, he is turning a, you know, almost 90 degrees at some points. And, you know, it, it's pretty impressive. But, uh, you know, if you start out doing that, you'll, you'll, almost guaranteed to tear something so you, you, know, right. you have, have to take it slow with this stuff yeah and the final part of this describes uh shifting weight from one leg to the other so he's saying when you're in the middle you're at 50 50 when you turn to your left you're 100 on your left leg and when you turn to your right you're 100 on your right leg just to clarify that um because you know, a lot of other swings and and turns don't work necessarily like that i mean what i would say is that's the goal but you know if you if you go to 100% and it hurts or it throws your body out of alignment uh, you need to do a little bit of work to get there so you know it's just it's it's baby steps right you know you um, it might take you some and I, none of it's going to take you like that long but it, you know if you think about it in terms of like well if you wanted to learn to play guitar it's going to take you more than a couple of weeks right it's going to take right. some, you know and it's the same thing it's just you know um, and this is a particularly uh, tough one because a lot of people are just tight in that area. You know, the, the twisting in the thighs is particularly challenging for a lot of people. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's, uh, it's one of these things. It's like, it, it will cut, like when it's ready, it will just happen. You don't have to push it. And uh, if you just, you know, follow the 70% rule, you know, you'll be fine. But. All right, bro. Great discussion, man. Let's keep it going. All right, man. Take care. Bye. Hey everybody. Uh, Isaac here again. Just a quick reminder to like and subscribe. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. And check out our Patreon for exclusive interviews and content. All right. Take care.